Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. Grace, she takes the blame. She covers the shame, removes the stain. It could be her name, Grace. It's the name for a girl. It's also a thought that changed the world. And when she walks on the street, you can hear the strings. Grace finds goodness in everything. Grace, she's got the walk, not on a ramp or on chalk. She's got time to talk. She travels outside of karma. When she goes to work, you can hear the strings. Grace finds beauty in everything. She carries the world on her hips. No champagne flute for her lips, no twirls or skips. Between her fingers, she carries a pearl in perfect condition. What once was hurt, what once was friction, what left a mark, no longer stings because grace makes beauty out of ugly things. Grace finds beauty in everything. Grace finds goodness in everything. As Luke mentioned earlier, this last week we started off a series called Church Words. We started by talking about the word saved. For us to understand the word saved, we have to talk about the word grace. For most of us, grace is a word that we've heard at, think, at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, and everybody's gathered around the table, and they're grabbing plates, and they're headed for the line, everybody, and somebody typically older steps in, hey, 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 we need to say grace, say grace. Oh, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Grace is also a word that hints to beauty or elegance. Oh, she moves so graceful. Now, oftentimes you hear it sarcastically. Oh, sweet moves, Grace. Oh, you're so graceful. But the word grace is more than just a prayer. And it's more than just coordinated agility. Grace kind of has much deeper and even somewhat darker roots than just that. Grace keeps company with the very dark, the broken, the maligned, and the evil. That's where grace is. Grace is Mother Teresa kneeling down to touch the leprous and the hungry. Grace is the mother at the funeral of her son who is a convicted murderer, and she stands alone by herself at the casket. Grace is a love letter tucked in the front chest pocket of a soldier's jacket. Grace never travels alone, and it never travels safe. In fact, Grace only appears because of the presence of something broken. To the average person, grace doesn't really make sense. It really doesn't make sense. You see, grace doesn't spend its time with self-righteous saints. It feels as if maybe it's not needed 
So grace will back completely out. Oh, you've got it? You've got all your bases covered? You're already holy? Okay, let me get out of the way. Let me back out of the way. No, grace spends its time with the busted. I mean, think about this. Grace has more to do with what is not there than what is there. Why do we say the things that we say? She's so graceful. Do you know why? Because you've seen other people dance. That's why. When somebody moves well, you go, oh, that's so graceful. Why? Because you've seen you dance, right? No wonder she's so graceful. She doesn't move at all like me. Why do we say phrases like, let us say grace before we eat? Because we could be without. Oh, that's very gracious of you. Why would we say that about somebody? Because you know people who are not gracious at all. And when it happens, you go, wow, that's different. That's grace. Why do we say things like, we are graced with your presence? Because you have been in the presence of other people who didn't leave you feeling that way at all. Grace has a lot to do with what is not there rather than what is there. 10 or 12 years ago, I didn't ask if I could share this story. Hope you don't mind. 10 or 12 years ago, I made an unlikely friendship um, with a man who had spent the majority of his life behind bars. He's 50, 55 years old, and he got out of prison, and he came to the house, and he sat down to eat dinner with my family. At the time, my oldest daughter was about three years old. She's sitting at the high chair. And it just so happened she was going through that stage in life where she was drawing on her own arms all the time, making tattoos. Strangely enough, her arms looked just like the man who was sitting beside her at the table. Poorly drawn, morally despicable tattoos all up and down his arms, yet this three-year-old girl kept looking at his arms as if they had something in common. I assure you they did not. We sat there and we ate. He was very nervous the whole time. He looked like he was afraid he was going to break some cardinal rule. And he just kept his head down and just kind of ate slower than everyone else. He would wait until somebody else took a drink, then he would take a drink. Everything that happened, like he had no idea how to do this. I mean, how long had it been since he had had a meal with anything resembling a family? And somewhere in the middle of this meal, my three-year-old, Allie, reaches over with her little bitty hand, and she touches the portion of his skin with these butterflies that had been tattooed on his arm, and she just reached over and she just touched them. And then she looked at him with that childlike inquisitiveness, head tilted, butterflies? Yeah. Looked straight ahead, ate. He looked very uneasy. Not as uneasy as Kate, but uneasy. <laughs> Continued to eat. A little while longer, she reached over and she touched his elbow where this big spider web tattoo is on his arm. And she touches it and she goes, 
Spiders? Yep, spiders. And you continue to eat. Throughout the meal, she continued to reach over and touch the top of his arm and point out these different tattoos that are on his arm. By the end of the meal, this man who is hardened, hardened, tears are welling up in his eyes. She got up and she went and played. She'd finished eating. And his eyes are full of tears and they begin to stream down his face. I didn't ask him what was going on. I really didn't need to. I think I understand what was going on. I think you understand what was going on. Anytime something reaches out and touches your poorly drawn plans and all of your identifying marks that have become you, Anytime there's a hand that extends and reaches out from across a place of innocence and into your corrupt world, you understand what that is. Why would you cry in a moment like that? Guilt, some would say. Guilt? Oh, I assure you, it's not guilt. It's grace. In fact, that's the very meaning of the Greek word. Reaching out to share the benefit of Grace is the leaning toward favorably to share something. You see, here's the difference. Guilt doesn't do that. Guilt will point out your sin just as grace will point out, point out your sin. But what guilt does is just does it with a finger. Grace does it with a hand. Grace appeared in his life. Maybe for the first time ever that he had ever experienced. Titus chapter 2. Uses that very phrase. For the grace of God has appeared. Appeared. That offers salvation to all people. Check this out. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope. The appearing of glory. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. The word appears when grace appears. That word appears is where we get our word epiphany. That's pretty cool. Because here's what epiphany means. That somehow, in a moment, somewhere beyond you, knowledge, information, feelings... Conviction, conversion, something changes inside of you and you recognize that God's perfect will has unfolded in your life at the perfect time. Epiphany. How does grace show up? As an epiphany. The appearance of grace in your life 
convinces us that our sin is not the end of us. Grace moves into our life and convinces us that our sin is not the end of us. The more you are aware of your victory over sin, the more you come to love grace. The more you understand grace, the more you get to know Jesus. The more you get to know Jesus, the more grace you will pour out into the world. You see, it's reciprocal. When you meet grace and grace comes into your life and you, you become aware of the depth of your own sin and that God somehow moved it aside and still continued to see you and love you, it is in that moment that we become very, very humbled, very thankful. You see, how in the world can we pour grace out into the world on a practical level? Well, let me give you three of them. In these moments that we want to lash out at somebody we love or somebody we hate, those moments where we want to just snap and go off, the feeling is fine. You can, you can have that, but you need to bridle it quick. Like it may, you know. But you need to bridle it quick when you want to lash out, but you don't because you remember God didn't lash out at you. In these moments that we are treated unfairly and we want to stand our ground and fight, but we remember that God chose not to do that. It's in these moments when we are mad, we are insulted, we want to stand our ground. We know we're right. We are justified. We are right in our own mind. I am right. Have you ever been so right you're wrong? Not hard to do. It is not hard to do. If you're not familiar with that, then you're not married. But it's easy to do that. You know you're right. You know you can prove it. You're even justified to be angry if you want to. That's when grace appears. That's when grace appears. Because that's not what God did. God did not lash out at us. God showed us grace. He was right. He's always right. He's more right than us ever, all the time, for eternity. Yet he, he chose not to be so right. In fact, what he chose is for his son to become sin so that we could be made right. That's grace. You see, if grace were a person, she would be the one who introduced you to the love of your life. That's her. If grace were a person, she would be the one who tell you, it's all going to be all right. If grace were a person, she would be the one who challenged you and made you better. If grace were a person, then she would be the doctor who hands you your newborn child. If grace were personified and became a person, she would be the one who always stands beside you. She would be the teacher who taught you how to write cursive. Because you know you were terrible at it, right? I don't think I can 
write a cursive H or a cursive S today. Yet there was a teacher somewhere who sat down and patiently waited for me to learn how to draw the right amount of squigglies. I'm quite sure I didn't get it right, but you know, you know what she did? That's okay, you're going to get it. That's okay, you're going to get it. Have you ever been there morally? Well, you can't get past that thing. It's always you and your selfishness all the time. It cripples everybody around you. And you go to God and you're just like, I don't know how to stop being selfish. Grace is the voice, the quiet one, that just speaks up softly and says, hey, 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 you'll get it. You'll get it. When you begin to pray for somebody all the time and the more you pray for them, the worse they get. You pray and you pray and you pray and they don't get better. They seem to be just fighting these prayers that you're praying. Grace is that little voice. Hey, 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 don't, don't quit now. Don't quit now. We're almost there. We're almost there. Grace is the mom who goes to the track meets, watches the kid who never wins the race, run in circles. After the meet, she walks down there and she gives him a bottle of water. And she says, you're so good at this. You did it. He just rolls his eyes. I'm terrible. You're not terrible. So good. That's grace. Nothing in the world makes you work harder than grace. You may think guilt will, but it won't. Guilt is a great short-term motivator. Let's go ahead and address this while we're here just for a second. With little kids, when it comes to parenting kids, guilt is not a good motivator. It will work, but it's not a good motivator. Shame on you. Mm. It will get the job done depending on what job you're trying to get done. But grace, grace makes you want to give your everything. Romans 2, 4. Do you not know that it is God's kindness that brought you to repentance? Kindness? Kindness is the thing that made you sorry, that made you surrender kindness. I don't know about you, but that's not what you see around here anywhere, ever. You don't find it in politics. You rarely find it in marriage. It's hard to identify in parenting. You barely ever see it in the workplace. Yet somewhere, the kingdom where we are on our way to, that's the model. That God's kindness brought us to that place. Think about the way the church has operated through the years and why it has the name and the reputation that it has. You need Jesus. Why? Otherwise, you're going to go to hell. Oh, perfect. Well, sign me up. That's what I want to do with my life. I want to base all my life decisions on what I don't want to happen to me rather than what I do want to happen to me. 
It was God's kindness that brought us to repentance. Grace. She takes the blame. She covers the shame. She removes the stain. It could be her name. It's also a thought that changed the world. Grace finds goodness in everything. She travels outside of karma. When she goes to work, you can hear the strings. Grace finds beauty in everything. She carries the world on her hips. No champagne flute for her lips. No twirls or skips between her fingertips. She carries a pearl in perfect condition. What once was hurt. What once was friction, what left a mark, no longer stings because grace makes beauty out of everything. You see, to us, grace is splintered in a stained cross on a hill deep in the recesses of our mind. It represents grace. And it got there because grace picked it up and carried it to the top of this hill. And then grace still wasn't done. And then grace rolled over and laid on top of this splintered and stained cross. And then, and then grace let us pin him to it. And then grace let us push him up and jar him down into the hole. And that's what grace did for us. And then grace died. See, if, if grace were a person... Grace is a person. He died and he resurrected. Because of that, God now looks at us through a Jesus-colored lens. When God looks at us, he looks through a Jesus-colored lens. Who is that? Who, who is that down there? It, maybe it's just me, but he looks a lot like my son, Jesus. Who, who is it? Oh, no, 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 that's not, that's Jared. He looks so much like my son. Why? Who is that? Oh, that's, that's Mike. Wow, Resemblance. The resemblance. You see, for us, the goal is first accept the grace that has come into your life. If you don't know who Jesus is, if you've never heard about a Savior who looked at you in the depths of your depravity at your very worst, your very, very worst, he sees you at your very worst and still chooses to love you. If you don't know him, oh, then stick around. Let me, let me introduce you. Let me talk to you about who he is. For those of you who know him, your job is different. Your job is to go out into the world and extend grace to others. 
to take your hand and put it forward, to be the epiphany for someone else, for you to stand in that place of negativity that is always bad and always terrible, and for you to be the epiphany of grace where you are. For some of you, it's in your homes. For some of you, it's at work. For some of you, it's as a kid in a negative place, whether it's at home, and you have to be the epiphany of grace. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us, and that's what he has asked us to do the rest of the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for your grace that extended itself out to us, that reached out, brushed over our souls that are dark and, and busted and twisted, Lord Thank you so much for everything that you've done for us and your love. Pray that you'll be with us today, be with us this week, that we can go out into the places that we live and we work, and we can make a change. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good afternoon.